Welcome to Neither Here Nor There. growing accustomed to having you here. It's been so long since someone regularly stopped by and watched with me. I've got something to show you. Last time, we walked through a tundraic landscape, a roaming blizzard. We were subjected to elements so fierce and beyond our control that it was impossible to not feel helpless. This week, I'd rather us experience something a bit more... man-made. It's hard to explain myself, so I'm going to let a diary guide us. Years ago, centuries actually, right where you're standing, a murder took place. The murder of a young man and dear friend of the accused. Take a look around you. What do you see? Horse-drawn carriages? Beautiful architecture freshly cut from stone? No, you wouldn't focus in on that, would you? Look at the filth the scum of the earth reveling from their tall towers, looking down on you, the humble bystander. All eyes have been on them for as long as you've been alive, yet you're down here in the mud with the rest of them. You've always fantasized about this time period, but never thought you'd have to scrape the bottom of the barrel with the rest of them, did you? The Diary On a day much like today, in the filth you're standing in, a murder took place. A brutal one, in fact. The remains of one Eric Start were found mangled a mere couple hundred feet from where you're standing now. Authorities claim that the brutality inflicted on him hasn't been seen by most of the feral animals discovered at the time. What happened to poor Eric? Written by a young man named Roy, a diary is the only window we have to view his side of this tragedy. Here's the story of the day. The circus came to town. I come to you with my hands trembling, as I've seen things no man should have ever seen. I'm the most wanted man in town. Posters of my face litter the streets as mobs carrying lit torches storm into abandoned shacks demanding my head. It's not what it looks like. No, it's... It's not what it looks like. I am not responsible for the brutal murder of Eric Start. Eric was my friend, my confidant, my partner. Eric has never done anything to harm me and will forever live in my mind as the greatest friend I've ever known. 
I did not kill Eric Start. In order to tell you what happened, I need to walk you through everything that happened the night that Eric died. It was a day like any other. The sun had come up like it always had, peering in through my torn curtain to catch my eye just well enough to wake me up. When I heard a knock at the door, I never get guess. The section of town I live in is very out of the way from the hustle and bustle of the city life. Outside of that, you have to be wary for guests at any time of the day. Crime in the area had been on the up and up, and up. Just keep your wits about you and be ready for the worst. I staggered towards the door and peered out the keyhole when I saw Eric of all people pounding on my door like a madman. I unlocked all the locks lining the outside of my door, and he burst into the room more excited than I've ever seen him. What are you doing tonight? He was trembling. Definitely one of my goofier friends, so I was wondering what the angle was here. He reached into his pocket and held out two off-pink tickets. (laughs) I'll never forget the look on his face. Hey, you want to go see some tigers with me? Growing up, I'd always heard about these roaming circuses. We aren't anywhere near a major city center, so it was genuinely stunning to see that we were in consideration for a show stop. I've never seen anything that's supposed to be a main attraction of a circus. I've heard about the tigers from the breadbasket of India, huge Siberian bears from the tundraic landscape of Russia, sword swallowers from the Middle East, Elephants from the vast savannas of Africa. But I'd only seen pictures. Nothing could stop me from going with Eric tonight. You'd have to kill me to keep me away from this. How the hell did you get these tickets? Well, I know a guy who... knows a guy... who knows a big guy. I knew Eric had stolen these. I don't know what poor soul he lifted them off of, but... I wasn't about to miss out on the experience of a lifetime. Who may have taken them out of the coat pocket of some break standing outside the white rabbit. Eric had a knack for being exactly in the right place at the right time. Had being the had meaning. We spent the next hour or so fantasizing about what it is that we may see tonight. We'd heard about bears who wear women's clothes and do dances. We'd heard about French acrobats who throw themselves off of ceilings. Our minds raced, wondering what tonight had in store for us. I can probably spare you the details about how we got there. Do know that Eric did what Eric does, and we ended up at the massive pitch tent just outside of City Bounds. Ah, fuck. You should have told me my coat was hanging down in the mud. What, you've never ridden in the carriage of a carriage before? Always tuck and keep your mouth shut. You are doing neither and- Look, we argued for a bit. I ruined a coat I'd just bought, so I was in a mood. When I saw the massive caravan tucked behind this tall hedged wall of bushes, I elbowed Eric and tried to show him. It took him no time before he grabbed my hand and said that we have to try to get a sneak peek before everything starts moving inside the tent. We gotta do it, right? The... No. 
We just got tickets. It... Yeah, you know if they catch us, they'll... Eric pulled me before I could get my wit straight. Before I knew it, we were cutting through the bushes to see all the animals in their cages before they're ushered inside. Unfortunately for us, they were empty. Not something to be incredibly bummed about, but when you make up your mind, it is a bit of a letdown. We were trying to leave in a hurry so no one would catch us when we heard a door of one of the carts unlatch. The door slowly swung open and Eric had this horrified look on his face. It took me a second to work up the courage, but I did. I swung around the corner where I saw him. An old man, probably 70, 80 years old, with a gun pointed squarely at Eric's head. You ain't supposed to be here. Easy, fella, easy. We were just trying to see some elephants, that's all. I got something in here I've sworn to protect with my life. And you, no good filthy thief, tried to get your hands on it, huh? Everyone wants to get their hands on it. If I had my wits about me, I'd... I'm sorry. I... I'll leave. We can act like this never happened. Ooh, let's... Let's all calm down. And I didn't have much time to defend Eric. I tried to say that we'll be on our way, give our tickets to the less fortunate, and I don't know, when the old man lowered his gun, postured himself up, then said, You're gonna die tonight. I can see it on your face. I don't know if he was trying to scare us, but something shook Eric to his core. We'd had our fair share of getting into places we shouldn't have been, been told by guys twice our size that they'd rip us in two, but I've never seen Eric like this before. He just stood there and nodded solemnly. The old man checked his pocket watch and told us to get going because the show was starting in a couple of minutes. Eric booked off without saying a word, hands in his pockets, straight for the line. I'd never seen him like this before. Of course this wouldn't last long. Eric. Buddy. You alright? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine. Always been fine. Come on. You want to talk about the... Yeah, yeah. I'm fine. It wasn't long before he was right back to his jolly old self. Screaming jokes to uh, the people passing by. Trying to get the girls in front of us laughing. It's almost like nothing happened. And with the night lined up, I was perfectly fine with keeping it that way. No sense getting worked up over something that'll soil our plans. Felt like it took forever to get our way through the line. The man checking tickets at the entrance to the tent was stern, an almost evil-looking man. Every single ticket, he would peer at it like he was looking for forgeries. He would hold the ticket up, look at your face then back to the ticket, then back to your face. It was almost like he was trying to weed out the weak. Probably got some sort of sick kick out of it now that I've had time to mull it over. But at the time, I was getting a little worried. These are real tickets, right? Yes, sir. No chance they're forgeries? Don't really know how I know that. 
got them off a guy who had loose pockets. Probably. Probably shouldn't be saying that so loud. Why not? No one is listening. Hey, anyone mad that we're uh, thieves? Anyone? Eric. Ah, I'm just playing everyone. This guy, he's nervous, isn't he? You never seen a grown man be this jumpy? Eric did what Eric always does. Diffuse the situation the only way he knew how to. By making a goddamn fool out of himself in front of everyone until we all felt like we weren't the most awkward person in the room. Sorry, that's... That's harsh. But it needs to be said. Eric was impulsive and acted on it often. Sometimes it got a gun pointed at your head. And others... Two shiny tickets for the show? Right here. Hmm. Alright then. Two shiny tickets, I suppose. He got you exactly where you needed to go. Eric was funny like that. We finally made our way to the entrance of the tent, and it was like a portal to a different world. Outside was the cold, damp, dark climate I'd grown up in, but inside, there was a warmth here. Immediately after stepping inside the tent, you were bathed in this warm, off-yellow light. This light radiated from two absolutely massive chandeliers that hung from the two pivotal points of the tent structure. These were the biggest chandeliers I'd ever seen. They didn't hold on to thick wax candles like a normal chandelier, oh no! They bellowed flames through them, in tall, fierce columns of fire. The warmth from this room had to have come from these bellowing plumes of flame. Cut into the very top of the tent were these smartly designed mesh flaps that allowed the heat from the flames to escape and not just burn the place down. And also it kept it from smoking or allowing the smell of gas to mess with us and the animals' heads. Right as we passed through the hallway, we rounded the corner towards where our seats were, when suddenly, a fireball was breathed by one of the larger men standing on twin posts outside the benches. <laughs> Better take your hat off now. I won't miss next time. There's little ones in the back that want to see too, you know? Yeah, of course. I... <coughs> I, I apologize. Got scared by one of the acts. He he caught, he caught me off guard. Then we made our way to the seats. We hadn't been seated for but a few minutes before the show started. It was everything you could imagine. Nimble men and women swinging from bars hung from the ceiling. Elephants in ornate headdresses uh, bowing to the conductor. Sword swallowers plunging an entire blade down their throats to remove them unscathed. Women adorned in massive snakes that appeared to know a routine, wandering their way from their ankles, up their body, up their arms, then back down again. Hours soared by before all the performers had come and gone. I'd never seen anything like this before. Just before we were all collecting our things to do, the ringmaster came out for one last bow. Take a seat and open your ears. I have but one parting gift before we set off. I present to you our automaton. 
we all shifted back to our seats before a large opening in the tent ceiling appeared, and from two wires, a woman made entirely from clockwork appeared. Slowly, she descended from the ceiling, holding this beautiful pose, a look of pure elegance on her molded, metallic face. It felt like seconds had passed before her slippers had touched the ground. We all sat there in amazement. It looked like a woman in a costume, but it couldn't be. We all could see through her. The intricate web of gears and delicate arms and pistons and timers all exposed to the world for everyone to see. The ringmaster stepped back and the automaton had begun to wind herself. During the winding, she positioned herself upright, holding this ballerina's pose, where she began to dance. couldn't get her out of my mind. The song, the elegant way she balanced on point, the pirouettes she performed solely before winding herself up again and finishing her routine. She was intoxicating. I thought I had it hard, trying to make sense of things before gathering my coat and heading towards the exit, but Eric... I... Wow. I... Yeah. I know. And the... Oh, I know. I know. Man. I'm gonna touch her. Eric had other plans. You'd think the prick would have learned his lesson earlier, when he had a barrel pointed at his forehead. But stubborn as a stubborn does, I suppose. He grabbed me by the hand and yanked me down underneath the benches and told me to hide with him in the small nook where the wood formed a bulky covered corner. We had to have been there for over an hour. Hunched over, my back feeling like it was splitting in two, and Eric, with this look on his face, this crazed, almost feral obsession with the automaton. As soon as the only noise heard was outside the tent, we poked our heads around and saw that it was just us in the automaton. The chandeliers had gone out. What had once been a warm, bright, welcoming room was back to the cold, damp, foggy mess we'd trudged through to be here. Large sections of the tent had been pulled away, exposing us to the moonlight. I tried to talk some sense into Eric, tried to get him to do something, 
anything other than touch this thing. But he pushed me off and told me to follow him to center stage. Look at it. Eric was squatting, looking through the automaton, completely and totally mesmerized by how intricate of a network of gears it took to run the thing. He was... He was mumbling to himself. Uh, so if this one goes here... I've never seen him so fixated on something. Yeah, right. It was almost like he'd reverted back to boyhood, but that's abandoning not. his troublemaking and returning to the sense so, okay, of wonder so, we all had when we were so children. What, what do you do? Then there was a tear. We ran back to our little corner. It was nothing. Just more stagehands ripping segments of the tent ceiling off one by one. It happened about every minute or so. I assume they had some sort of system in place where it was easier to remember which panel went where. I'm not sure. By the time all the ceiling panels had been taken down, all went quiet. I'm not sure where the men went. Uh, disassembling this tent is a monumental task, so I imagine they had some sort of brake system in place. The world had become perfectly still. The fog had dissipated overhead, so the pitch-black room had now been entirely illuminated by the pale glow of the nearly full moon above. There we were, exposed to everything above us, whatever crime we had committed illuminated by God and heaven above. We had to get out. Eric didn't see it this way. He started to plead with me telling me that this was his only shot to understand. I don't know. I should have spoken up. I should have been firm. I should have shouted, then paid whatever fine I'd have to pay for trespassing. Anything. Anything to stop Eric. Eric checked around. Everyone was gone. It was just us three. He walked up to the automaton one last time and started mumbling again. But this time, he darted his eyes back to me. You got a problem? Hey, Eric, we really gotta get going. We can't... Does it fucking bother you that I understand this and you don't? I... I... I never said... This is the only chance I have to see something as intricate as this before I go back to... Oh, what's the job this week? Shoveling shit out of a stall? Maybe mopping a floor in some bar I can't afford? Eric... You've really got to keep it down. We don't know how many people are outside the walls to this tent. Oh! Oh, now I get it. You're jealous, aren't you? You're mad that I'm starting to understand this, huh? No, 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 no. I never said that. I really don't get why you're being so heated. It's jealousy. I knew it. Here, you want to really be jealous? Want me to steal a dance with a girl you've fallen in love with? He'd lost his mind. Nothing I could say or do could pry him away from the automaton. I stood there, bewildered, almost terrified of what Eric had become. He was like a feral dog protecting his food. I'd never seen a man act this way over... anything. I tried to grab his hand to get going, when he pulled his back and touched the automaton. <clears throat> Ma'am, may I have this dance? He placed one hand on her hip, then the other on her extended hand, 
almost like he was about to do a waltz with her. He gave me this arrogant wink, almost like he'd courted my girlfriend, before turning his whole body to her and pretending to dance. He was humming a stupid tune. It sounded like some awful waltz from a hundred years ago, progressively getting louder just to make me nervous, then continuing quieter. He spun circles around her. He pretended to be dipped by her. All this was a game to him. He returned back to his starting position. One hand on her hip, one in her other hand, before accidentally raising her arm just enough, letting the gears tick inwards, once. All right, you've had your fun. We need to go now. I, uh, I can't. No, I've... I've had enough. We're leaving now before they call the authorities on us. I... I can't. Eric was stuck. When he was messing around with the automaton, I guess that cranking the arm up ever so slightly caused the internal gears to crank inwards one time. This was enough to completely ensnare his wrist. Eric was truly stuck. I crouched down a bit, trying to free him from the grasp of the thing. At first it was delicately tugging at the bent metal strands that had been welded together to make her waistline. Then I started trying to pry it apart. Then in a panic I put my foot on it and started to yank his arm out with him. The automaton wouldn't budge. Stop. You're going to break it. We need to go. I turned my back for just a second to see if anybody was coming. Maybe they knew how to wind this thing in the other direction. Then I felt a tug at my collar. But the tug was pulling... up. I thought, why was Eric trying some stupid joke right now? We had no idea how serious a punishment we'd get for breaking a literal one-of-a-kind piece of machinery. And then I looked up at him. The automaton was winding itself back up to the ceiling. It was suspended by these two wires to keep it balanced, and these two wires were slowly being wound up by these two cranks, pulling it closer and closer to the ceiling. Eric panicked. He was a few feet, then several, then tens, then twenty, then forty feet above the stage. I heard him pleading for his life. His shoulder had become dislocated, putting all the pressure on the joint as he was yanked upwards. Every painful second, every moment of agony he showed on his face, I saw. He screamed. He was begging for help, but no one came. I started to shout too, for anyone, anywhere. Just please get Eric down. He'd gotten so high up in the air that I'd lost sight of his face. But I knew that it would be showing pure agony no matter what I was able to see. I ran down what was the hallway, outside, looking for anyone to unwind the automaton and bring Eric down. He needed to go to the hospital and get his shoulder reseated. Who knows what else had been done to his wrist and forearm. I ran back inside to shout to him that I was going to go look for help but he was so high up in what used to be the tent that all I could see was the delicate outline of the clockwork interior, the automaton, and... and... him. 
their silhouettes perfectly outlined by the nearly full moon behind them. Just as I was about to run, I heard a crank, then another, then another. It was at this moment that I realized what was happening. The automaton was winding herself. Whatever Eric had done to it must have set off the intricate series of gears to perform its routine, as it was programmed to. I was frozen there, in horror. Would the automaton drop his body from a hundred feet above me to his death? Is this machine about to catch fire after violently expelling oil from its joints? No. No, it didn't. What happened to Eric tonight was so much worse than anything I could have ever imagined. The automaton performed its routine, as programmed. First by moving its arms, then a leg extension, a pantomime jump. As it performed its routine, Eric... Eric was slowly pulled through the gears. First, by mangling his arm up to a bloody, messy pulp, then pulling the rest of his torso in with a horrifying series of cracks. Bathed in moonlight, I watched in horror as Eric, what had been him, was churned to a pulp by the wretched series of gears that he'd fallen in love with. I saw... I saw... Never in my life had I thought I'd see a man truly be split in two. Eric's body was folded in half, like paper, then folded again, and again, until an unrecognizable mass of flesh, bone, blood, and clothing formed. I was frozen. I couldn't look away. My close friend, my confidant, was... was somewhere tangled up in there. Tears streamed down my face. The agony that Eric had to endure solely because of a hunch he'd gathered from me is... unspeakable. The physical torture he experienced is paralleled by very few men who've ever walked this earth. It wasn't until the machine wound itself again that I realized that it had shifted its gaze from him... to me. The automaton began to descend quickly, performing its routine as programmed. Eric... Eric still tangled up in its gears. But this time it was much slower. Eric's body had begun to gum up the joints, and you could tell that the automaton was struggling to perform. It began its descent, all while bathed in the backdrop of pale moonlight. What should have been masked by shadows was perfectly illuminated, silhouetted against an unforgiving bright backdrop. I shouldn't have seen what I saw. 
The illumination of the moon highlighted every piece of Eric that plunged back down to the earth after the automaton was done churning him. This continued until it was nearly back to the stage floor and released everything else it hadn't dropped on the descent down. I stood there, looking at what had been my friend. I was frozen. Time no longer felt real. My life had been ruined. I... I don't know how long I'd stood there and stared, but I was shaken back to reality by two brawny men trying to hold me down, shouting about, What have you done, you depraved fucking freak? I don't know how, but I escaped their grasp, ran through the silted marshes to home where I grabbed my diary and chose to write this. Eric was a good man. Eric did not deserve what happened to him. And I did not kill Eric. What happened that night was out of my control. It almost felt preordained. It almost felt like it was written in the stars that that night, at that location, Eric would die. If only we'd heeded the man's warning. I can hear the hounds barking. The search for me is over. All that I can say has been said, and do know that I am an innocent man who's seen things no innocent man has ever deserved to see. God rest my soul. Unlike Eric, Roy's remains were never found. Born in a society that believes in punishment through the lens of an eye for an eye. There's no telling what the authorities subjected him to, given the state of Eric found at the crime scene. There's nothing we can do about this. The events you and I have both experienced will live on as they did hundreds of years ago. You may have noticed a warning sign. You may have noticed several exits. But you were left just as helpless as Eric. Suspended by your wrist, hundreds of feet above the stage floor beneath you, completely subjected to the whims of the powers that be. Let that be a lesson to all that are watching. Don't stick your fingers where they don't belong. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.
Neither Here Nor There is a bi-weekly horror joint writing and audio production project. The music for this show is provided by Cryo Chamber. A link to their Bandcamp is in the description.